<laughs> and so, but in this season, season of love, right, like we're all looking around and trying to figure out what love means and how we can explore love and how we can declare our love. But John wants to help us with that today. He wants to help us with that declaration of love. And so I got a message titled for you today as proven declaration, a proven declaration. Turn with me to John, 1 John, the first epistle of John, chapter 1, and I'll read from verses 1 through 4. Is that all right? Y'all okay? Y'all ready? Y'all need to stretch? Okay, let's, let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. It'll be up on the screen if you need it. Hear these words of our Father. It says, what was from the beginning what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the father and was revealed to us what we have seen and heard, we also declare. Somebody say declare. So that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Father, we pray. God, I pray this morning, God, that you would... Help us to have our joy complete in you. God, complete our joy in you through this proven declaration of who you are. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you would be with us in this moment, in this preaching moment. Father, God, I pray that your word would go forward, God, without distraction, without impediment. God, I pray, Lord, that your word would get deep down into our hearts this morning. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight. And God, in order to do that, I pray that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. Anybody grow up with... uh, a cousin who had a weird nickname, and when they got older, they didn't want you to call them by that anymore. Maybe that's you. I don't. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're quiet. It might be you. <laughs> but I got a cousin, and he's got a weird nickname, and we still call him that to this day, even though he's in his thirties and he's taller than me my little cousin and um he stands about six foot five and he's strong as an ox i watched him pick up an armoire one time anybody know what an armoire is one of them big chests he picked up an armoire by himself (laughs) carried it out the house down the steps and i said good job booty (laughs) that's his nickname his nickname is booty and he hates it to this day he hates it but one of the funny things about Booty, 
is that he was also the greedy cousin. Y'all know that one. The one who always want to eat up everything in the house. And so Booty would always be eating. And I'm like, bro, like, calm down. He was also the cousin <laughs> that always had some kind of lie <laughs> that he made up. And so one of the lies that he told one time was that he was allergic to bananas. And so we're like, since when? Like, when you been allergic to bananas? Oh, yeah, I'm allergic to bananas. And so one time his mama, God rest her soul, she made some banana pudding one time. I can taste it right now. It was so good. And she made this banana pudding. It was like one of her specials. She made this banana pudding. And so she made two trays because she knew how much we loved it. And she said, I'm going to make two. And so one of the trays went missing. And so we're like, yeah, like, where's the tray of banana pudding? Like, what's going on here? And so <laughs> we go looking around, and she's like, where is this banana pudding? So we go downstairs into the little den, the family room. And there's Booty sitting in the dark with the whole tray of banana pudding with a big old spoon, not the little spoon, but the big old stirring spoon. He got the big old spoon and he just. And so we like, Booty, what you doing? <laughs> you know, like, hey, hey Smokey. <laughs> We're like, what you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just eating this banana pudding. We're like, wait a minute. I thought you was allergic to bananas. About full of banana pudding. Are you allergic to bananas? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you finna to die because <laughs> you're eating them bananas. And so he gets angry because he's also the cousin that has an anger problem. <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> he, he says, he says, I do. I am allergic to bananas. How are you going to tell me? How are you going to tell me? And his mom said, well, the proof's in the pudding. And so I want to submit to you today that if you're going to prove your love, then the proof is in the pudding. If you're going to prove your love, then the proof is in the pudding of your declaration. So here, John, uh, the, the writer of this epistle, he was one of the apostles. He was the brother of James, who was uh, James was one of the first martyrs in the early church. We saw in Acts chapter 12, he was one of the first ones to lose his life for Jesus. But at the same time, John here, he is the beloved disciple of Jesus. Uh, he is writing. This is his he has written five letters of the New Testament. Five books of the New Testament are by his pen. And so uh, he's writing these words here because he's having some schism with a group that's known as the Gnostics. Is it OK if I teach you for a little bit? He's writing to this group called the Gnostics, and the Gnostics were a group of people. Gnostic is, it just comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And so he's writing to them, he's arguing against them, because these Gnostics were people who believed that Jesus was nothing more than a spirit. They believed that everything was more potent and more powerful in the spiritual realm, and so they just believed that Jesus was merely a spirit. Some of them believed, some form of the Gnostics believed that Jesus was just simply a spirit who came and descended on some dude named Jesus who happened to be walking around, and, and, and as he went to the cross, the spirit went away from him, and that just human Jesus died. 
And so John is like, hold up, cuz. <laughs> like, let me help you out here. Let me explain some stuff to you. And he's saying, what we have known from the beginning and what we have heard and what we have seen with our own eyes and what we have observed and touched with our own hands concerning this word of life, that is what we reveal to you. So he's letting them know, he's saying, listen, if, if you are going to prove your love, then you must have a declared revelation about who Jesus is. If, don't worry about that. That's just the kids upstairs playing. So don't, don't worry about none of that. If, if you, you know, want to go upstairs and help with the kids, we would appreciate it. We need some volunteers to sign up to help with the kids because uh, we need volunteers up there. And if you are gifted with children, come on and uh, join a wonder team and sign up for that. Uh, we'd be happy to have you on that team if you want to serve with children. Amen. Whew, plug. Uh, so. But what he's saying to them is this. He's saying, listen, what was from the beginning? This word means origin. It, it also refers to the person who commences a thing. Uh, it's a person who, or something that is first in the series of things, uh, and, and and so, but it also refers to the leader. And so, he, what he's saying to them is, if you're going to have a declared revel, uh, revelation about love, if you're going to prove it, then you have to start from the beginning. So John refers to the beginning by which anything begins. Or the origin of something. In other words, the active cause of something. You guys following me? So he's pointing them. Y'all didn't sound convinced. (laughs) Y'all following me? He's pointing them to the active cause of a thing. So he's saying what was from the beginning. Let me help you out. Let me explain it to you. Psalm 33 and 9 says this. says, for he spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it came into existence. John here is referring to the one who was there from the very beginning. We, we know in other passages of scripture that in Colossians that Jesus is the one who created all things. And by him all things are created and that through him all th- everything that you see that exists was created by him. So he was there from the beginning. So, so John is writing to them. He's saying, listen, no, no, no. You're talking about this stuff about Gnosticism and, and Jesus being the spirit. No, no, no. He was there from the very beginning. And I'm going to point you to him and help you understand that the one who created everything, the one who spoke all things into existence, the one who commanded and the universe obeyed, this is the one that we're referring to. He's letting them know. Again, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 helps us out with this. He, he lets them know. He says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command. So that what is seen was not made of what was visible, but out of what was invisible. And so he's showing them. He's laying out for them. He's saying, listen, from the very beginning, this same Jesus is the one who you're trying to deny, the one who you're trying to doubt. He is the one who was from the beginning that we will reveal to you and with that one that we will declare to you here in this passage. And so Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 tells us too. He says, he says, from him were all things created in heaven and on earth, both visible and invisible. So he's letting them know. He says, what was from the beginning? That Jesus, he was there from the beginning, but also what we have heard. Somebody say heard. heard. See, this word heard means to understand or comprehend. And it also means to perceive what has been said. One of the main reasons that we have trouble declaring this Jesus is because we don't properly perceive who he is. We must comprehend fully 
who Jesus is if we're going to prove our love through a declaration of him. And so if you don't understand who Jesus is, I'm going to encourage you, spend some time reading your Bible, spend some time under the, under the word, spend some time with other believers who know more about Jesus than you do, and spend some time experiencing him so that you'll be able to make a clear declaration about him through your love. And so when he's walking them through, he's saying, listen, we, we, we don't fully comprehend. And, and, and Romans chapter 10 verse 14 tells us, he says, how can uh, we call on, on him that they have not believed in yet? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And so what, what, what I want to communicate to us is this, is that sometimes in your life, you need other people around you who are able to clearly communicate to you the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life because you can't always apply it and see it in your life. You can't always take what you've heard and apply it because he's saying, how can they hear unless they have a preacher? And so, so many times we just make up in our minds, well, well, I heard God tell me. That's cool. I'm, I'm all good with you having a personal relationship with Jesus, one where you're, you're hearing from him and fully all that. But at, but at the same time, that stuff needs to be within the confines of community. And you need to understand that sometimes people see into your life better than you see into your life. And they have a view into your life that you don't have. Because guess what? You're in your life and they're outside of it. And they can see the stuff that you're struggling with that you can't even see. And so we, we need to be, we need to be hearing. One, we need to be hearing from God, but also we need to be hearing from others as well. And, but John here, he's pointing out to them, he's saying, listen, what we have, what, we, what has been from the beginning and what we have heard, he's saying, this is what we're going to declare to you. You, you need other people in your life. And, and if you're going to have a declared revelation, you have to be able to hear, but you also have to be able to see. He says, what was heard, what we have heard, and what we have seen with our eyes. John is making a case in this passage for the declared revelation of Jesus. He is testifying that he himself was an eyewitness of Jesus. That's what he's declaring. He said, listen, I've seen him with my own eyes. He's testifying to being an eyewitness of Jesus, and he's letting the reader know that he's heard some things, but he's also seen some things. See, I want you to catch this thought here. The word that John uses here for seeing is a word that has the sense of being acquainted with by experience. So in other words, that's an old song that you say, you can't make me doubt him. Because I know too much about him. See, Daryl Coley went on to sing the song. He says, Jesus is real, real. Jesus is real to me. Oh, yes. He gives me the victory. So many people doubt him, but I know too much about him. That is why I love him so, because he's so real to me. You need to have that same thing in your spirit. That there are times in your walk with Jesus that you may not be able to see, but you know because you've experienced him. There may be times in your walk with Jesus where you can't see clearly through through the thing, but you know based on his character and based on how you've experienced him in the past and based on what the scriptures reveal about him, that you're going to be okay because he's a provider. 
You got to know that he's, you're going to be okay because he's a deliverer, even though you can't see your way out of the situation that you're in. And so we, we, we've got to be able to not just hear, we have to be able to see as well. And, and the word that John uses here is a word that refers to seeing or knowing by experience. You got to experience some things about Jesus. But at the same time, you've got to share your experience with others. The, the, the pathway to declaration is your testimony. See, so many of us, we, we, we look at our testimony and we, we think about how God has delivered us and brought us through some things and, and we don't think it's worth anything or, or, or that it doesn't matter that much. But, but in Revelation, John, the same writer who, who wrote this passage, he wrote Revelation. He said, listen, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we have to be willing to share our testimony about what God has done in our life with other people. And so what he's saying, if you want to prove it, then you got to declare it. He said, if you want to prove it, then you have to declare to somebody that, listen, I don't even know what happened to me. But all I know is that one day I met Jesus and everything changed. You got to be able to proclaim to people that when I was down and out and in my lowest and I couldn't see no way out and I couldn't see which way to turn. But one day Jesus showed up in my life and he changed all of the things that were going on with me. And now I have a new direction. We got to be able to declare that. He says what we have seen with our eyes. This word, it refers it refers to your, your physical eyes, but it also refers to. The eye of your mind. Y'all tracking with me? It, it refers to the faculty of knowing or your ability to know something. So sometimes in order to prove it, you need clear vision about the Lord. We must be able to see with the eyes of our mind. This is for free because y'all quiet. So often we allow what we see with our eyes to distract us from the vision that the Lord has given us for our lives. See, you allow what you see. You allow the people on your job who are treating you disrespectfully to distract you from the vision that God has declared over your life, that you are a son of God and that you are a child of God. You're a daughter of his. And guess what? No matter what they say about you, guess what? He's already said some stuff about you. No, no matter how they treat you, he's already treated you in the best possible way that you could be treated. And so we've got to be able to see and we can't allow the stuff that we see to distract us from the vision that the Lord has given to us. That's why we have to learn not just to see, but to observe. He says here, he says what we have seen with our eyes and what we have observed. This, this word has a sense of learning by looking. It has the sense of looking closely at something. And so what, what, what John is trying to communicate to us here is that if we are going to prove it, then we have to look closely at Jesus. The reason why we get stuck is because we're looking at what's in front of us and we're not looking to Jesus. The reason why we get so frustrated about our present situation is because we're looking at the situation and we're not looking at Jesus. And Jesus says, look to me, all you who are laden and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He tells them to come. He tells them, look at him. Stop, stop looking at what's happening with you, but look to me. And so what he wants us to do is he wants us to fix our eyes on him. We, we're constantly fixing our eyes on our circumstances. This, this word means to, to look at something attentively. 
And oftentimes, man, y'all quiet. What's going on here? Everybody's quiet. Y'all with me? Okay, got really quiet. Amen. <laughs> and so what he's saying, he's like, listen, like, you have to view this stuff attentively. But I love this. Not only that, this word would suggest that we have to look at Jesus with admiration. See, here's what we do. Oftentimes when we look to Jesus, we go, come on, Jesus. Jesus, I'm struggling, Jesus. I don't know why I'm looking up at the corner of the ball, but that's what we do. We're like, come on, Jesus. You heard what they're saying about me, Jesus. And so we're looking to him that way. But what this word suggests is that we look to him with admiration. So instead of looking and saying, come on, Jesus, we look and say, oh, come on, Jesus. I know you got me. Jesus, I know that I'm going to be able to make it through this because you're a provider. And I know what the bank said, but I know what you say. And so we can look and I, I know what the doctor says, but I know what you say. And so we have to look differently. We have to look at Jesus with admiration and not just looking at him for our circumstance. We've got to look at him from the view of admiring him, of loving him. And and listen, admiration means to give him the respect that is due to him. When you admire someone, it means that you give them warm approval. And so approval is the action of officially agreeing to something. Or accepting something as satisfactory. So when you finally accept what Christ is doing in your life as satisfactory and agree with his plan for your life, you'll receive his approval through your admiration for him for the things that you've observed about him by focusing on him as the main thing so that you can prove what it is that he has done in your life. That's why you got to come to church week to week because, like, I'm, I'm building a case here. Like, <laughs> like, all this stuff's connected. I'm not just throwing stuff in the air. But here he goes on to say this. He said, listen, what you've heard, what you've seen with your eyes, what you've observed with your mind, now what you have touched with your hands. This word carries the idea of handling or touching or feeling something or to manipulate something with your hands. And so John is letting these Gnostics know. He's like, listen, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I've actually touched him. <laughs> I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I've actually laid my head on his chest. Like, I, I hear what you're saying, but I've actually walked shoulder to shoulder with him through some of the toughest times in my life. I, I know what you're saying, but but I've been present with him and I felt his presence in my life, regardless of what was happening in front of me. I could feel his presence supporting me and walking me through this. And so he's telling me, he says, well, we have touched with our hands. But but here's what this word also can can mean. This word also means to verify. See, this is what I love about Jesus. All the claims about Jesus can and have been verified. See, everything that you think about Jesus, every every thought that you have, every doubt that you have, and guess what you can do? You can search the scriptures and you can find out. Not only that, archaeology supports it. Anthropology supports it. All of the ologies support it. And so what you what you can do, what you have to do is understand that Jesus is OK with the axiom 
of trust, but verify. He's cool with that. He's like, listen, I want you to put your trust in me, but it's okay if you need to verify. Kirk Franklin used to sing a song. He says, let me touch you and see if you are real. I have so many songs in my examples today. He says, let me touch you and see if you are real. Even though I know my heart, your hand can heal. But sometimes I get discouraged and I need your strength and shield. Jesus, let me touch you and see if you are real. Now, if you think Kurt's just being dramatic, watch what happened with Thomas the Apostle. In John chapter 20, verse 25 through 27, we got that up on the screen. He says, it says this, it says, so the other apostles were telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he, referring to Thomas, he said, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and not just see it but put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side I will never believe Thomas was a doubter <laughs> but don't be too hard on Thomas because so are you you say the same thing I'll never trust you if you let this happen God, if, if you let my mother die, God, I'll never trust you again. We say stuff like that. We do. But watch this. I love this. Jesus is such a thug. Here it goes. <laughs> watch this. It said, a week later. <laughs> See, Jesus don't rush to answer your doubts and your ver- need for verification. Jesus don't rush to try to answer your doubts about him. And he doesn't rush to give you the opportunity to verify. He's saying, listen, I'm going to let you sit in that little bit. I'm going to let you hold on to that real quick. Hold that. You're going to be all right. I got this. You know, they used to say, uh, there's a saying that said, he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there on time. They also, there's a saying that says, he'll, in that time is the 11th hour and the 59th minutes. And so Jesus, he'll show up for you and he'll verify. But I love that it says that a, a, a whole week later, his disciples were inside again. And this time Thomas was with them. It says, even though the doors were locked, Jesus walked up in that joint. He just walked up in there. It's like, what's up? He said, peace, chill out, calm down. And then he said to Thomas, he said, oh, yeah, you, come here. Yeah, I, now I heard what you said. C- come, come over here. He says, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. And, and, and sometimes what we need is we just need to experience Jesus at that level. See, sometimes we need to be reminded of the scars in his hands. See, at times we need to be reminded of how he was pierced in his side for us. See, every day we need to be reminded of how he hung on a tree for us in our place. See, we need to be reminded about the presence of Jesus in our lives. And sometimes Jesus will show up in your life and say, listen, I know you're struggling with doubt. I I know you're confused about what's going on right now. But just come on over here and see my hands. And that's what he tells him. He says, listen, don't be faithless, but believe. See, Thomas was just like us. 
faithless in circumstances, not believing when we're called to believe. And one of the quickest ways, one of the easiest ways to prove is to be firm in your belief. And at times we're not firm in our belief is because we, we get nervous. We're scared about what's happening with us. We don't know what is going on. And that's the worst thing is to not know. But, but God is saying, listen, you don't got to know because I'm in control. You, you don't need to know because I got this. You don't need to know. You don't need to be worried because I am the one who is controlling your life and, and, and maneuvering things around for your good. And so, you know, tell them, listen, don't be faithless. We got to be able to touch Jesus from time to time. So here's what he says. He says, listen, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. See, it's interesting because this entire time we've been speculating about who and what John is referring to. He never says a name here. He, He says, in fact, he says what was from the beginning and what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes and what we have observed and touched with our hands. Now, he's writing that way because he's, he's dealing with the Gnostics. He's letting them know, I know you think that it's, it's this impersonal, immaterial thing, but this Jesus was actually a person. I'm getting ready to show you how. And so he's walking with them. He's saying, listen, he said, what you have known from the beginning, what you have heard, what you have seen, all that stuff like that. He says, concerning the word of life, he says, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the father and was revealed to us. So this entire time we've been trying to figure out what he's talking about. Who is he talking about? Who is this what that he's referring to? Help me explain this. Jesus, John continues to want to say, he said, this is concerning the word of life. Now, I, I want, if you're in tune with the scriptures, which I know that you guys are, you've read the book of John, his, his gospel. And in his gospel, he refers to Jesus as the word. You know, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Later on, he says, and the word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. He, he's referring to Jesus as the word. And so that's important for us. However, to jump to that same conclusion in this passage would be an error. To jump to the same conclusion that, he, that the emphasis is on the word here. The focus here, help me, I'm going to teach you all for a second, so, so hang on. He's, the, the focus here is not on the word, but it's on the life. We learned a few weeks ago about the Lagos, and, and, and Lagos is the is the is the truth or the message of something. It, it has to do with the, 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 the force that's, that's moving things behind. And so it's, but it, it also refers to an aphorism. Anybody know what that is? An aphorism? That's okay. I didn't know either before I looked this up, so it's all good. An aphorism is a pithy observation that contains a general truth. Y'all still confused. Y'all know what aphorisms are. Here, here, here's an example. If it ain't broke, okay. Actions speak louder than he who hesitates is. Mm, oh, <laughs> help him, Jesus. <laughs> is lost. He who hesitates is lost. Easy come. There you go. Y'all got it. 
The early bird catches the worm. Those are aphorisms. Here's what we understand from this. The focus is not on the word here. The focus is on the life. In other words, what John is saying is that Jesus is the greatest aphorism for life. And so what we have to see, he's referring here to the word. The word he uses for life is not the word bios. Y'all know bios, biological, all that stuff like that. It's not that word. The word bios refers to the extent of one's life, meaning I'm here, like I'm living. The word he uses here is the word zoe. And the word zoe is the word which refers to the absolute fullness of life. So what John is pointing us to, he's not pointing us to the word here. He's pointing us to the absolute fullness of life, which was revealed in Jesus. He's letting those Gnostics know. He's saying, listen, I know you think that this was just some immaterial person. I know you think that this was just some spirit, but he is the absolute fullness of life. And so he's pointing to them. He's telling, he said, he said that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the father and was revealed with us. And what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you. So we've got to be focused on the life. <laughs> See, John's pointing us to that here. He's saying, listen, Jesus is the absolute fullness of life. He's the fullest expression of life. That's why Jesus says in John 10, he says, he says, he says, I come that you might have what? Life and have it to the full. And so Jesus is saying, take me. He says, I'm the one who will give you life. I am the source of your life. He said, I know that you might just be walking in your bios in the extent of your life. You might just be living out day to day, going about, going to work, eating your cheese sandwich, going to work, doing what you do. But Jesus said, I've got a life for you that's more full than that. He's saying, I've got a life for you that's more, more pleasing than that. I've got a life for you that's more abundant than that. If you would just place your trust in me, if if you would just look to me, if you would just hear the things that I say, if you would just observe what I tell you to do, if you would just walk in what I've commanded you to walk in, then you can have that life. So he's telling them this. He's saying, listen, if you're going to walk in this, you gotta, you're going to have this. He says, we, I, I tell you this and I proclaim this to you so that we may that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. The word fellowship, he uses the word koinonia. It's a word that refers to intimacy and partnership. And so John is, is suggesting here, he's saying to have life and to walk in that is to have fellowship. And so we know that that fellowship, he's saying, listen, you can have that fellowship with us, but that fellowship is in the Father and in the Son. And he says, and if you want to truly walk in that, guess what you got to do? You got to embrace the son in order to get to the father. And so if you're going to have that full life, if you're going to have that fellowship, that intimacy, God, he wants it expressed through us living woven with each other, right? That's how that fellowship gets played out. But we have to see the source of that as Jesus Christ who, and he, how his ability to deliver us from our sin. And we can walk rightly in that. And so he said, listen, this fellowship, I want you to have fellowship with me. And indeed, this fellowship is with, with, with the son and the father. But then he tells him this. He says, if you have declared revelation about Jesus and you walk in declared fellowship, you'll have a declarative joy. He says, 
We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. God cares about our joy. He cares so much about our joy. And see, the reason he cares about our joy is because joy is something that can't be taken from us. See, you cannot be happy and still have joy. I taught you that a few months ago. We did this series called Joyful. Again, y'all got to come to church. <laughs> tell, tell people to come to church. <laughs> like, he's saying here that they have joy, and, and Jesus wants us to have joy. And here's the reality. We, we know this here, we, that we can do what with joy? We can choose joy. Helen knows that because she won the little prize at the Christmas party. Choosing joy. We got to walk. We have to. We have the ability to choose joy. And I'm finished, Ryan. You can come on and tinker. Uh, like we, we. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's disrespectful. You're an artist. <laughs> you're a musician. You're not tinkering. You're you're playing for the glory of God. Forgive me, brother. But we can, <laughs> we can have a joy that's unspeakable. And John is saying, listen, I'm writing these things to you. So that your joy might be complete. And so he wants them to know. He's saying, listen, all of the other things that they're talking about, these Gnostics, whatever they're trying to confuse you about and whatever life might be trying to confuse you about and convince you of. Jesus is here to provide you with joy. And your joy will be complete in him. If you choose to walk in a manner that he calls you to walk in. And to live in the way that he's called you to live. And so I, I want to encourage us today that as, as we are walking with Jesus, we've got to know that the Lord promises us joy and joy complete. Like there, there's no misery for the believer. That, that, that doesn't exist for us. We, we go through hard times. We go through difficulty and challenges. But at the end of the day, there's no misery for us because we serve a resurrected Savior. We serve a God who's able to heal and deliver. And knowing that even if he doesn't, his healing and provision are on the other side of glory for us. So if it don't happen in this life, guess what? You'll be all right. <laughs> If you're in Jesus, guess what? You'll be before his throne, worshiping him, praising him, giving glory to his name. So we can have joy as a result of that. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take what was from the beginning, Jesus, the creator of all things. I want you to take what you have heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to take what you have seen, in your experiences. I want you to take what you have observed and touched about Jesus. And I want you to declare that to the world so that you can prove it. Somebody say prove it. God wants us to have a proven declaration. Because the proof's in the pudding, y'all. It is. So if we're going to walk with Jesus properly, if we're going to walk according to his standard and his calling, we have to persist and pursue him in the ways that he's called us to. 
that we can prove our love for him and display that to others. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're not sure. Maybe you're uncertain about all that I'm talking about. Maybe you're not clear about the Jesus. Maybe you aren't. But I, I, I want you to, to invite you into relationship with Jesus today. I'm going to invite you into relationship with him, into a life-giving relationship with him. Because as, as we've been walking, we've been talking, it's about the life. And this is eternal life that Jesus has promised to us and he's declared to us. But it's also life here that he declares to us. And so all you have to do is place your faith in him. Place your trust in him and make a commitment to be obedient to him and to serve him as your Lord. See, we don't deal with that because we don't like anybody to have authority over or control over us at all. But Jesus is saying, ain't no other way to have a relationship with me. Either I'm your Lord or I'm not. And so, he's either a liar or he's your Lord. He's either a lunatic or he's your Lord. He's either an urban legend or he's your Lord. It's one or the other. We don't sit somewhere in between it. No, he is your Lord or he is not. And so, if that's you today, we want to pray for you. So, every head bow, every eye closed. Father, I pray. Well, for anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you this morning, God, I pray, God, that they would walk in relationship with you. God, I pray that they would respond to the message of the gospel this morning, God, that you gave up your life for us, that you died for us, that you went to a cross for us, for our sins, so that we could be in relationship with you again through your son. And so, God, we want to have fellowship with you. We want to be connected with you. We want to live woven, God. We want to have our joy be complete in you. And so, Lord, have your way perform miracles this morning. Transform us, renew us. Give us strength. Lord, I pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who rose from the grave with all power in his hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.